0: Thanks, guys. We finally made it.
1: We did.
0: We did. We did. did, It
1: only took one reschedule, so
0: that's
1: (laughs) good. Other than most, three three really (laughs) busy people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One reschedule, two reschedules. uh, Taco negotiation, Brett.
1: Yep. Yeah, I lost
2: (laughs) that one. (laughs) (laughs) That
0: one. But here we are, and it's okay because we love you, so it's it's cool. Hey, you know what? You guys are my first double guests. (laughs)
1: Aw. Good, more chaos. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Probably the the two worst. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, we'll try to be appropriate. I know, right?
0: This is going to be a test for me, too, because, yeah, we'll just kind of see how all of this works out. We'll be fine, right?
1: See, my history with Brett is that it's always been, whenever we've been together, there's always been a lot of inappropriate discussion.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's always been a race to the bottom. It's a bad... That's so, a bad habit we developed. We like were uh, taking some classes together way back when. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what? I am I'm very scared of HR, but I don't have HR around here, so I'm cool.
1: <laughs> Does that help it? No, it doesn't.
0: So, hey, okay. So, let's introduce, okay, Marcus Sevis. What's up?
1: Hey, how you doing? Good, Good. to see
0: you. And people might have heard you from a previous podcast that are listening to this. Does yeah. This is same Marcus Sevis in the house. Yep. Right? Uh, There's more to say. Yep, yep. And then we're like, okay, now we gotta bring Brett in because you guys are like BFS from like a long time ago.
2: So Mark and I met I'm scared to put a year on it, but I'm gonna say probably about twenty four years ago.
0: Shut up. What? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Which is yeah, that just makes us old men. I don't know if we're old wiser, but we are. <laughs> yeah. So Mark and I and you, Martha, we were all part of the Palm ecosystem, the Palm companies, Palm, Palm Source, HP, Handspring. And Mark and I happened to meet back in the late 90s when both of us were trying to kind of figure out career direction. Right. I had gotten a degree from UC Santa Cruz and international relations, which actually has served me well over the years. But strangely, not a directly marketable degree. Mark and I both started taking some creative kind of, I don't know, like we're basically boning up on Photoshop and Illustrator and 3D tools and all that kind of stuff, which weaseled both of us into marketing careers. Yeah.
1: What institute
0: yeah, this is? Tell everybody where you were.
2: Oh, God. You know what? It's a, def- <laughs> it's a defunct institute. So basically one of those devry type of schools where we were going and getting the the actual applicable skills that, for me, a UC didn't teach me. I learned how to write and analyze and think about deep things, but I didn't actually learn how to use the tools that I was going to need out in the marketplace. I'm not a critic of college. I'm very, very, very glad I went. But it's it's one of those funny after effects when you realize you get into the marketplace and you're like, wow, practical stuff was left out.
0: Well, and that's why we're talking today, guys, because I think that you know we all went, you know, went to school of some sort but in the end, it all was because of our relationships, personalities, connections. And by the way, this is before LinkedIn. I mean, how long? Yeah. It? Before wow. LinkedIn. So yeah. when you guys told me that, um, actually, I think, Brett, you came up with the title because you your PR amazingness, <laughs> Networking for Hustlers, I said, that's yep. exactly where we're at because we all kind of came in this a little bit unconventionally. Yeah, you know, yeah. Mark, Mark, you were at the same place, and I think you guys were just you know going to like you know happy hours after at this yeah
1: point. yeah, i mean my my whole history is that you know I was twenty something, you know i I actually didn't go to a university like Brett did, so I, I got to miss out on all that uh, drunken fun. <laughs>
0: you did
1: it at the device and just but yeah i you know i you know i was my aspiration was to be a professional rock and roll musician and you know at some point you you got to realize or you got to make a decision say well am i gonna uh am i cool with being a 40 something year old guy still struggling to make that happen or should i think of a plan b and so i was like you know what i really like design i was already kind of doing design on my 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 little pc back in the day so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. want to learn a little bit about Photoshop and Illustrator, and and see if I can turn that into something. And so that's that's how I went to Masters Institute, and you know, that's how I met Brett and our our uh, our cadre of uh... <laughs> misfit toys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some of the relationships I made there I still maintain to this day, and you know, I, I made some great friends there. And for what it's worth. You know, yes, it was one of those, like, like you said, it was like a DeVry, like a business college where you pay, you know, it's, it's basically a for-profit school, but ultimately, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, what you, what, you know, what you were able to get out of it and how you're able to spin that into something else. Exactly. I I
2: totally agree. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I came out of university in the early nineties. Well, '94, and I'm originally from the East Coast, and you know, I'm, I'm going to parlay into kind of why how networking plays into all this. but I, I came over to Silicon Valley from Santa Cruz. I'd never lived here, but I was here because my now wife was getting her master's degree over here. She's a teacher um, nowadays. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody in the tech industry. I didn't know how the tech industry functioned at all. I knew I was more the liberal arts mind than the engineering mind. So I didn't even think there was a place for creatives in the tech industry. That's how naive I was. And eventually, because I just had some inherent geek skills, um, I started working at a 400-person kind of startup. They'd raised about a billion dollars, a little less than a billion dollars in San Jose. And while I was there, I kind of started to become curious about the marketing department and saw what they were doing and realized like, hey, I've got some of those skills, but how do I get in the door? And what I, I determined was I needed to get some direct tool skills that would allow me to contribute. And I eventually... You know, this is where we start to get into the networking and the hustling, going to this place that Mark and I met at, I started to learn these tools and started to jump in and volunteer help to the marketing department, um, which maybe is lesson number one, which is if, if you are looking to get into a certain field, you want to volunteer your time into that field and show that you can actually accomplish things, whether it be for me, I was just polishing PowerPoint and videos for the CEO. Back in that time frame, I helped put up the first website for that that company. And they didn't have that skill set in-house. They would have had to go to an agency. So they were more than happy to have me there. And by building the relationships in the marketing department, when the time came, I managed to break out of, I was technically classified in the IT department and and make my way over to the marketing department. It's a little bit of a story behind that. Ultimately from that point on. My entire career, you know, I've Silicon Valley, we have these average tenures of a few years at different places. I want to say I've really only had the hardcore interview for about a quarter of my jobs. And the reason is because you once you kind of get into the track that you want, you start to meet fellow people who are like-minded, who are aspirational especially younger people full of potential who end up becoming the senior people over the course of 10 or 15 years, and you start forging relationships in the trenches. And And I think that's maybe lesson number two. You, When you are looking to network with people, it's not the go to the conference and shake hands thing. That That's great. You meet some interesting people. They give you some fascinating perspective. But 20-minute conversation at a conference, it will not get you your next job. What will get you your next job is when <laughs> in Silicon Valley style when the company you're at blows up somehow and a bunch of people flee and then you suddenly have all these people who understand what your skills are what your personality is the fact that you can get shit done and they are now all sitting at new organizations and a lot of them have to build teams or help hire and that's where your next job comes from it comes from the people who know what you're capable of. Not, your friends don't even qualify for that. Your best friends in the world don't qualify for that because they haven't been in the trench with you. They don't know that you can crank up the new website, launch the campaign, come up with the positioning for the cool thing. I'm using all marketing parlance here, but it works for anything. But the people you've worked with who have become your friends by nature of the fact that they trust you, they are your inroad to the next thing. And staying in touch with them is a key thing and doing it in an authentic
0: way. In an authentic way. And I have to say, you know, Brett, you know, Mark, you and I have, we, we are all like on Facebook. Like I know about your kids, like you know about mine. And even when we were working together, I want to say, I mean, we must have, you know, had a couple margaritas together and we had a few laughs and whatever, but it, we, we liked each other. You know, we liked hanging out with each other. And I think that's the other lesson for me as I kind of look back, you know, 20-something years. It's like, I will recommend the people that I want to actually hang out with, you know, that yeah. I actually want to be with day in and day out. Uh, and, and, of course, they have to do the job. But if I like you, I mean, I'm going to be in conference, you know, conferences with you. I'm going to be at events with you. It's, yep. you know. Who do you want
2: to hang out with is... Half of the hiring criteria for most managers, right. it's 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 a combination of who will gel with the team and who will take your management. And then when it comes to your peers, when they're interviewing you and trying to figure out if you belong on their team as a peer, they're like, "Who is this person? I, you know, am I going to hang out with them? Do I like them, or are they creepy, weird?" You know, inappropriate, whatever it is, sometimes inappropriate is a good thing. But it's, you're picking
1: people. Yeah. Can you get the job done?
2: But do I want to be around you while you get the job done?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm building my team, I have always really just defaulted with the people who I felt were, you know, had, you know, flexible and, you know, amicable uh, personalities more so than if they were, you know, technically uh, brilliant. I mean, yeah. it helps to be technical, technically brilliant, but if you can't communicate with people, if you can't get people to see your perspective, then it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, everyone shuts down. They won't listen to you. Yeah. And, and that's, it's huge. I mean, it, the, you, you get one misfit in a group it destroys the group dynamic. I've seen it again and again. I, I'm thinking when I was at Nokia, um, I, that was one of my stops. I was there for about five years, and we had a really fun group. I was working directly for the CTO of Nokia at that time at Palo Alto. he just relocated from Finland. and The group that built up around me to support him, we had one guy who was off-the-charts savant. But this guy would come to work when he felt like it. Like he literally would just not show up for a critical meeting. And afterwards, everyone's texting him, calling him. What the hell? He's like, eh, I just couldn't make it in today. And he would have these glimpses of brilliance where he would do three days of work and like six hours in a way that none of us could ever do. And then he would have these frustrating behaviors. And what ended up happening was his inability to show up on time and be present and care started to rub off on other team members. And some of our high performers started to dwindle down because they're like, he's, you're not holding him accountable. So why am I working my butt off?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Cause here's your top, you know, smart guy and he's getting away with all of this. So why can't the other people do it? And yep. by the way, how does the manager even, I mean, Mark, you're a manager of people. I mean, you either have to call them out on it or eliminate that person, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I've, luckily, I've never been in a position where, because all, most of my teams I've been able to build, so I've been able to choose who, you know, who, who was going to report to me, or, or I've gotten really lucky. The folks that I've inherited have just been really great. But what I would have done if I did have to deal with that, in fact, who knows, I may be in a position where I do have to deal with that at some point. You know, ultimately, you have to sit down with that person and, you know, al- alert them to the chaos that they are starting to basically wreak within the team. It ultimately, like, you know, every person has a ripple effect and everybody leaves a wake behind them like a boat and it will either damage things or your wake will leave, you know, the the right uh, impressions and so on. And, and ultimately, you know, um, you know, I would try and, you know, try and solve the issue and make something workable out of it. But if I can't, then you just have to make, you just have to make the, the hard decisions.
2: This is something kind of that really divides humans. There's a flavor of human that is open and willing to learn and willing to change and do it willingly. And then there's a flavor of human that is entrenched either because of their own past and trauma and upbringing or because they think they're right and they think they're smarter than others, whatever it is. And in my experience, you know, I'm with Mark. You, You sit people down, you tell them the truth. It's a terrible conversation to have because it's a confrontation by nature. And you have to tell them, this is what's not working. Here's what's happening as a result. The modern environment that we all work in you have to document all of it, all of it through emails and whatever. And just so that you start to build a track record. And then eventually, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a three strikes, you're out person. I've had to let people go. I I had a, I was running a marketing department at a 500 person company. This is about four years ago. I had a destructive gossiper on the team and It'd be one thing if she was really good at her job, but she wasn't. Her detail work was terrible. And the details were just tripping up major things like events, where suddenly the catering doesn't show or whatever it is. And, you know, it's like, wow, if you're a problem and you're not doing your job, then this becomes a really easy decision. And that's what what it came down to. But to, to circle back to kind of our theme here, which is networking and and how to kind of leverage your network into where you need to be and how to build your own teams through your network, how you handle that situation is watched by everybody else. And if you don't handle it with integrity and with honor and give the person a true chance, then everyone around you is going to know, whether it be the CEO of the company who I was reporting to at the time, my peers, or the wider team that I had underneath me, that team I don't want to compare adult workers to children, but some of the rules apply. I can say this because my wife's teacher. You know, they are watching to see what you do, and they will assume you will do the same thing to them. So if you don't handle a situation with respect, then they're just going to assume you won't respect them when the time comes. And this goes on to you know, kind of another kind of networking axiom, the teams that you end up building underneath you, obviously you need to pull in quality people. How do you do that? You know, it's a very common Silicon Valley thing. And I haven't, I've I've asked people in other geographies, it doesn't happen quite so much, but it does happen. You know, you get somebody who comes in to interview and you're supposed to, according to the law and according to HR, you are supposed to, go off their resume, go off your conversations and feedback from other team members that have conversations. What we all end up doing right or wrong is we all hop on LinkedIn. We see who we have in common with those people. And I don't use LinkedIn to actually reach out to the people I have in common. What I do is I'm like, Oh, I got 18 people in common with this person. I'm going to pick the two or three I know best, shoot them a quick message and say, how well do you know this person? Oh, I don't know them very well. Oh, they were my roommate in college, whatever. Like, And then you have a conversation with them and it's, it's, I'm pretty sure that's totally illegal, but we all have those conversations. And the reason is anybody can be on their best behavior, but you need your network to help you figure out if you're bringing something dangerous into your midst. And that's critical. You, You need as much intel as you can, because again, the one will spoil the bunch. And then you're you're you've got a problem on your hands.
0: Well, this is why it's important not to burn bridges. I mean, even oh if God, you, yeah. Even if you don't like the people that you're working with, don't burn a bridge. I mean, yep. there's been, I, you know, we've all been, at, you know, five, six, seven companies, right? And it's, uh, you end up eventually seeing somebody that you worked at in another company, and it's like, you know, one of the worst things would be to, oh my God, I didn't get along with this person, or I had the situation. Don't do that. Don't even go yep. there. Don't yeah. go there. Be on your best behavior. Be positive, because you never know. Like I'm, you know, I was uh, thinking about the situation in Handspring. You know, Brett, you and I worked there. We all got along. Yeah. I feel like we all got along. And Mark, we would love to have you there. It would have been amazing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it was so ridiculous. And the funny thing is, that company. I was only there for less than two years. And, you know, here I am talking about it 20 years later. Yeah. That vibe was amazing. And you know what? Anybody at that company that I'm still in contact with, they were my friends. You know, they're my friends. And I, I could vouch for them because I like them personally. Yeah. Yeah. There was a yeah. of personal, you know, and then when Mark and I worked together at Palm, by the way, anybody who's listening to this, if you don't know what a Palm pilot is, it's
1: like, <laughs> yeah. you're probably under 25. You're under
0: 25 <laughs> and it's like this little, what was it? Like the original, it, it, was, it was only a like BDA. the organizer. organizer.
2: Yeah, it was, it, think of it as um, a cell phone without the cellular capability. Yeah. yeah
0: so, so us three, we've been in uh um, mobile industry. Well, I should say organizer. Right, or yeah. I, I go
2: with mobile because I went on to Nokia.
0: Yeah, I've been <laughs> we've been in hardware. I mean, Mark, you come from you know HP, right? Um, software,
1: Brett, you were. Well, I was in- also at the company, the first, the company that, fir- that made the first MP3 player.
0: Oh my, oh, that's goodness. right, yes.
1: Diamond, right? I'm in multimedia. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: So I was at their competitor, Creative Labs.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh yes!
0: Remember them, and I think they—they they were. I got out before. I. They were just sound cards.
1: And Nvidia killed us both.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly, and then where
2: I, where I spent a year or so. Right,
1: I remember that.
0: <laughs> see? So everybody listening, do you see hear this? Like we all were like either competitors working in the the same company. And at some point, look, here we are 20 something years later, because Mark is cool, rock star and an amazing manager. And, you know, Brett's amazing. So, um, and funny. And I like these people. I, I in an instant would refer you guys anywhere.
2: Well, I, I think there's a couple of things to pull out of that. You know, one is I've found that working together with someone the first time you can become friends working together the second time you become family. And I actually have a manager who I worked with at four different companies. We're at four of the same companies I worked for him twice. And I would go to war for that guy. He's amazing. It's important to realize like the the network starts to self-reinforce after a while. When you start to cross with people multiple times, there's just a different level of understanding and trust. And it's it's almost like you know, Silicon Valley, they say there's something like 2 million active employees in Silicon Valley, but man, it sure feels like it's 2,000 because you just cross paths again and again with people. And to your point, Martha, about burning bridges, you, you don't burn bridges. And if anything, just realize that your performance now might determine and behavior now might de- determine how, you, if you get that job 10 years from now. I, I'm not ashamed to say I've been at companies where I have seen let's say some of the more persnickety people show up in interview cycles and I have absolutely killed them. I've killed them. I'm like, that person is toxic. Judge for yourself, but watch for the toxicity. And here's what you're going to see, A, B, and C. And if you see it, take them out of the cycle. And I can honestly say I've definitely killed at least half a dozen interview cycles for people who I've encountered in the past. And I wouldn't have done that if they were good people who actually got their shit done. But instead, there was something off. And, and so the network protects itself as much as it fuels itself, which is, is kind of an important aspect.
0: What do you guys think? I spoke to, I think another, another person about this was, you know, once you're in the interview room or, you know, Zoom room, personal room, whatever it is, they like you. They like what they see. On, you like what you see on paper forget the paper. Now it's about, uh, do we get along? Am I going to get along with this person? Can I talk to them? Are they funny? Do I like their vibe? Do we connect? So now there's more EQ, you know, Mm -hmm. qualities we're looking for. So for anybody looking for a job, just be, you know, just be yourself. And you
2: have to be yourself authentically because again, because of that back checking that everyone does, people will check and they will validate. I mean, interviewing Someone is, is kind of perilous because it's kind of like dating. Like anybody can behave a certain way for a certain period of time and put on good behavior. But I, I personally have found it takes about three, maybe four months before you really see someone's true face.
0: Yeah, you can only act for so long.
2: Right, right. But that's again, where pumping the network to get the truth on someone, like they seem great, they seem totally upbeat. And you will find out is that true or not? And that's where, why hiring out of the network is another thing. You know, when you're looking for your candidates, you go to people you trust to ask who they trust and see, and they're not going to give you duds. Yeah. So that's where your highest quality of kind of interview harvesting comes from, because nobody's going to send someone bad your way because they know that's a reflection on their reputation as well.
0: So we have all, you know, we all have good positions and in tech, all of us. and. For you folks listening, if you didn't catch on to this, I mean, none of us have gone to like Yale, Princeton, none of that. Doesn't matter. You know, Marcus Evans is a rock star. Like he plays a guitar. (laughs) I see him. Like that's what he does. He went from that to tech. You can do it. You can do it. Now there's little skills you got to build along the way. Like Mark, you said you you kind of were already doing it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean. You know, what it it came down to was identifying a a space that that, you know, I enjoyed and then just, you know, kind of, you know, doing what I had to do to to get in that space. You know, after we finished that school that Brett and I went to, you know, nothing was guaranteed after that. I couldn't I can tell you that we had probably hundreds of classmates that could never, you know, get a career in that space, in that creative arts space. You know, coming out of that just because you know whatever was skill you know people's skill that they could have been lacking, ultimately it came down to how flexible could I be uh how humble could I be to take instruction to learn This is a really important story for me because you know I'd just gotten just graduated from that program, and my first job was just an internship at an ad agency, and I went in there. And, you know, I impressed them with, with, with my work and, you know, my, my ideas, but I was lagging in one, in one area. And that was attention to detail. And I ended up getting fired from that internship, like about three or four months in, because I let something go to print twice with the same mistake. So, you know, and I remember after getting fired, going to my car, feeling absolutely humiliated and sitting in my car and the question popped into my mind, is this job for me or should I, should I just go back to like doing, you know, deliveries or something, go work in a warehouse? Is this what I should am supposed to be doing? And I made the conscious decision that day that I was not going to let that stop me. And so, yeah, I took my beating. Uh, I, you know, I was humbled. But to this day, I will catch things, even like an extra space in text that no one <laughs> else catches.
0: I because I was the, um, the communications manager at uh, home and I had to work with you, Mark directly work with you and you would like we were he was responsible for making the boxes like he was responsible for making all the graphics and he made sure that every little space was caught the fonts if the fonts were consistent like you were so um, so you learned mark and yeah. I, one of the amazing things that i liked working with you about was i never had to worry about things you know going through print to print to final because i knew you would catch it
1: yeah
2: so it's, yeah. it's part of paying your dues and learning. Yeah. I mean that's that's what it is. It, you know I I try to mentor I, I've kind of made a rule for myself, you know, I'm past 25 years in the valley now and you know we we all have these awesome companies that we've had a chance to work at and I realize that, you know, I've been fortunate to work at brands. Like the, everybody who's out there who's getting started really should try to strive to get at least one well-known brand. On their resume, it just bolsters everything. It helps whoever is trying to hire you relate to, like, oh, that person was at company X. I know what company X does. All right. I kind of know what I'm getting from that person. But in the effort to strive and get into that brand, there's a lot of dues you got to pay along the way. And dues, paying your dues can feel abusive. It's 80 hour work weeks. It's, you're the last one to leave the office at night, even though you're like the 26-year-old. It's the, I am going to deal with this pompous executive right now and take his condescension because you know what? I'm still learning from his condescension. I'm learning what not to do when I get to that level. Great. It's all full of lessons and paying your dues. I, I, I feel like I encountered a lot of millennials who did not want to pay their dues that's softened in recent years i've seen a lot more entry-level people who are who understand that there's a lot to learn but you really really do have to do that and you take your beatings and you are gonna screw up there's no doubt about it and the pain that comes from those screw-ups are sometimes your biggest lessons and per what mark was saying become some of your biggest strengths you know when a bone breaks it heals stronger kind of thing
1: yeah
0: That was your strength, Mark. You said you were not attentive to detail and they let you go. And you are the most attentive to detail person I know.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that was a hard lesson. But, you know, years later, I was like, you know, I need to find that guy that fired me and thank him because that was like, like, he, he really, that was a blessing in disguise.
0: You know what humbled me when I met like at Mark's company and we'll get to handspring Brett, but, uh, you know, I was a communications manager there. Actually, you know, I've, I've been at Adobe forever and my first 18 months at Adobe I was a contractor talk about humbling because I went from handspring to Adobe and I got laid off. Uh, the company went down. Right. And I was pregnant. I was pregnant six months and, so, mm. and so that's harsh. Right. And then I went out and had my baby and then had some unemployment and then I needed a job. And Claire Dean, who um, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying her name, she knew my work. She knew what I was. We got along. She was, I think, the director of VP or something like that, VP of marketing. And uh, she's like, you need a job? Yeah, come on. Come on over and help me at Adobe. And it was a contractor gig. And honestly, in 18 months, they didn't have the budget to hire me. I ended up at, I ended up at Palm and it was a communications manager. Now I'm second, you know, my second language is Spanish. OK, so I'm a communications manager. Shit, that's a lot of pressure. I'm a Latina woman. Right. And, and, you know, Scott, who hired me, he didn't know this, but this is all going on inside of me. But I needed a job and I needed insurance. So I made sure that as a communications manager, first of all, I interviewed well, you know, I told him what I, I didn't tell him anything I didn't do. I better make sure that I was so attentive to detail, to your point, Mark, because I didn't want to screw that up. And it made me a better communicator. It made me, I, I think it made me just laser focus on what I wasn't good at, which then I took on to my, my next gig. But anyway. well, that
2: paranoia is healthy. That paranoia Parano- is is what makes you grow. I mean, we were talking when, when we were talking a few weeks ago, we were talking about imposter syndrome. Yeah. And we all have imposter syndrome. I. I have had imposter syndrome. You know, my my very first marketing job was in this 400 person startup in San Jose, and I was doing work with the CEO, and I was like the little roadshow bitch for for the company. Where like I went on three <laughs> okay. funding he he's rounds.
0: White, you can't see him. He's white. ready. <laughs> I just say this because a lot of Latinos, you know, we we have imposter syndrome. We talk about that, and we never talk about, you know. The Brett Murrays of the world that have imposter syndrome.
2: Everybody has imposter syndrome. Every it's one of those things where like you get two drinks into anybody and they'll be like, I totally have imposter syndrome. Like <laughs> it, I I think only narcissists don't have imposter syndrome, <laughs> and they've got other problems. But it's it's funny because like I was helping this CEO, I would go on these. I went on three fundraising road shows, uh, we, and these were substantial. I mean, we raised 125 million in the third one. And I'm with the CEO and CFO. That one, I was on the road for 28 days straight. We went to over 30 different cities, meaning we were, we were on two planes a day on average, wow. all over Europe, all over North America. And at the end of every day, it was me, the CEO, me, 26-year-old, 27-year-old me, CEO and CFO at dinner. They're pounding a $300 bottle of wine. And they're like, Brett, what did you think? How did the meetings go today? What did you see? And I would give them my feedback. Uh, I was reading the room and and I was the guy who would, at the end, they'd be like, let us show you a demo. And I would show a demo. But I was watching them give the exact same presentation, sometimes seven times in a day. And I would give them feedback. And the whole time I'm like, why are they listening to me? What These guys have 30 plus years experience and they're listening to me. And then you know later on I mean my current job I, I'm not allowed to say the organization I'm working for but it's a fortune five company and I'm I am a consultant a marketing consultant to the c-suite at a fortune five company right now and i I literally was preparing a deck for the CEO yesterday and the whole time I'm staring at these slides and I'm like oh God if comma's out of place if uh, whatever you know and you're just thinking like what if this lands with a thud and the whole time i spent 24 hours hammering on this deck for this giant giant company and i when i hit send i was like oh god oh god oh god oh god and this morning we got that wow this is really good stuff thanks guys for putting this together and, you know, your imposter can finally lean back in the seat when, when that happens. But you you don't feel any less like an imposter, by the way, when that yeah, happens. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I survived this one. The next one might get me. But
0: that was that that you hungry. Right. That What's par- that? Maybe yeah. imposter is paranoia.
1: Yeah. Oh, it totally is.
0: But, it completely but, well, is. I
1: think it's, it's our survival instinct, really. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of years ago, the way this manifested itself is, I'm not gonna go outside of the forest into the plain because
2: <laughs> there's I'm something a, could kill me out there. I'm not Let's as fast
1: it. as that cheetah.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: I'm not a cheetah. I already know yeah. that. And so but you know, but then you realize you also kinda of have to. It's just a survival instinct. Yeah. And you
2: develop techniques out of it. You know, you're gonna yeah. wander into the plane hiding behind trees and rocks. Yeah. Because you're like, wait exactly. a minute, this might help me survive this one.
1: Maybe this and, sharp stick can help me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly
0: you know so one this, of the things yeah this is a uh, so i'm not a cheetah i'm not a cheetah and that's always <laughs> in our back. Of, you know now i'm gonna think about that i'm like i'm not a cheetah but you still have to go out there and protect yourself
1: yeah so well, you'll gotta you still gotta somehow like slay a cheetah and then take its coat and wear it when you go out there next time
2: well <laughs> you, you know what it comes down to though and my wife again i mentioned she's a teacher and she's a second grade teacher, which is really unique because this is when little human beings are really starting to figure out what they are. And and, in so many dimensions, it's not even funny, but we talk about superpowers. Everybody has superpowers. Everybody has something that they are really, really, really good at. And they have things that they're not good at. Okay, so do I know how to run a budget? Yes, I've had very large budgets, but you do not want me as your CFO. No, bad idea. Do I know how to, operationally run a team i at one point i had a team of 150 people under me and that's a lot of reviews that's a lot of trouble with hr that's all kinds of things am i an operational ninja not at all not at all that's not my bag but i i can muddle through but what am i really good at well i i think over time i can with some level of pride say i'm really freaking creative especially coming up with campaign ideas I think I have good communication skills. I think I'm a really good writer. I think I'm really good at translating the complex into the simple. And I have come to understand that I have superpowers. I can, You can put me in a room with 50 people and I can list out a few things that I will be in the top three at. And admitting that to yourself is partly how you cope with the imposter syndrome and with your own career growth because you you really have to embrace it. Like, There's a time to be humble, but you know what? If you're getting ready in the morning, you can look in the mirror and be like, no, I'm really freaking good at these. Things. It's like, don't let me near these things. But these things I'm amazing at. It really is clarifying and really helps you stand up a little straighter when you're sitting around the table with 10 other people and knowing if you have something to add yeah. and that's going to contribute, and move the conversation forward. And and I think that's a little bit of the antidote to imposter syndrome is. Don't be stupidly humble to the point where you won't ever admit that you are a cheetah in certain dimensions. You might not be a cheetah, but you know you you might be the fastest gazelle, and that's fine because you can outrun that cheetah, and the same goes in the work environment. You can have somebody who's an amazing, amazing epic writer, but if they don't know how to formulate the positioning for something that they have to write about, then they're
0: gonna write about the wrong things, yeah. Right. Thank you for, for saying this, Brett, because, uh, you know, I've in the past just couple, two or three years, I've become humbled and actually have, I own my cheetahness. Like, I'm like, I really suck at that. But I'm an okay storyteller. And if I happen to be in business, guess what? I'm going to storytell my business. That's how I tell my presentations. And that's actually been my superpower is storytelling. And how do I dumb it down into a story you know, that makes sense for everybody and that people want to actually listen to? It's got, I could do it personally and I could do it at work. I can do those. I'm also freaking creative. I like that. Now I can do budgets all day long. I can do all of that. But to your point, I, I kind of can actually verbalize and say, yeah, I kind of don't want to do that. Yeah. I kind of don't want to do that, but I want to do this all day long. Yep.
2: All yeah. Long. And that's what you lean into. And that's how you pick your job opportunities. If you have to choose between A and B in a job opportunity, having clarity on what you truly are a genius at allows you to lean into it. You know, it's, it's this is another thing my wife and I talk about with our education background is, and we have two daughters, one of whom is in college and she's figuring out what she wants to do. And she actually, of her own volition, thinks that she wants to go into marketing. And I look at her innate skills that I've seen in her since she was little. When she was five years old, she was talking like a 10-year-old. You know, when she had to start doing writing assignments, she was writing amazing narratives where I'm like, okay, this does, again, it all didn't feel age appropriate for her. And I saw that she was lining up with these innate skills that did lend itself to marketing. So when the day came and she's like, dad, what you do seems really fun. I'm interested in it. I encouraged her that way. And, you know, there's this thing of like, Hey, I'm Brett. I suck at math. I should double down on the math to get good at it. Well, you know what I can do? I can hire people who are good at math to run my operations and budget. And I can be as brilliant as I need to be and fly as high as I possibly can in the directions that I'm good at. You augment yourself with the people you surround yourself with. So lean into those strengths and that, and lean into the jobs that will allow you to leverage those.
0: And also don't be afraid to bring in people who actually like math, you know, or what is that you might, it actually frees up time for you to do some of the other stuff you like. And you give that other person an opportunity to actually do what they like. So it's kind of a win-win Mark. I'm sure you do that at your work too.
1: Yeah. And that's another, actually, that was another really good lesson that I learned early on when I was at Palm. And I started, I got the opportunity to start managing the web team. I remember, um, you know, my first hire, I I brought in this guy who was like a, just this really great CSS whiz. And occasionally I'd feel threatened by him because it's like, oh man, this guy's better at this than I am. And it took a while for me to realize, well, look dummy, that's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be better than you at that. So that you can worry about other bigger problems. He's not there to take your job. He's there to like do a certain thing that he's better at than you so that you can focus on the bigger picture. Yeah. Yep. And you know, once I kind of realized that and 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 you know got myself out of the way of that realization, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's what I want to find. I want to have a team of guys that are smarter than me at whatever it is that I need them to be smart at so that they can tackle those issues and I can worry about the bigger picture. Yep, Absolutely. it makes a huge difference
2: when, when you take that mindset. And by the way, anybody who's out there you know, trying to figure out if they wanna work for someone, that's exactly what their attitude should be. It's really, easy. imposter syndrome makes someone in, insecure, so they're watching their back and hoping that their own team aren't shooting at them. But in reality, if your own team has excellence, you promote it. You put it in front of you. Anybody, by the way, if you're a mid-level manager, any executive or leadership level person who's worth their salt is going to say, wow, there's Mark. Mark has a really good team. And we're in this meeting talking about a victory they had. And Mark is holding up individual team members and what they did. You know what? That reflects really well on Mark.
0: Yeah. Because he's
2: developing talent and pulling them forward and giving them their recognition, making them happy and making sure that everyone is aware of their contributions so that later on they get raises and promotions and imposter syndrome gets in the way of that. People get so insecure.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, luckily I figured that one out early before, you know, before it actually, you know, caused me any, any issues. You know, my whole approach now is like, you know, lift up my team, give them the glory because they're the ones that have to are doing all the work. Give them the glory. But then when it comes to like, okay, if there's a failure, if there's a problem, if there's an issue, you know, that's, that's, that comes back to me. I'm not going to roll that down to them. I'm going to own that problem. I'm going to own that failure. And then I'm going to, I'm going to work with my team to figure out how not to repeat it
0: mm-hmm. yep.
1: without pointing, without pointing fingers, without placing blame, without anyone me, making anybody feel like crap. That's
0: right without making anybody feel that like crap. So good point, because I'm just thinking every leader that I followed into a different company. And to your point, Brett, I've worked with leaders now multiple times at different companies. And they, they've done just that. They've lifted me as they've grown. Like they have literally like in meetings said, no, Martha did that, you know, or yep. you know, they, they haven't taken all the credit for themselves. It was all about the team. It was all about the people. And those people I would, you know, do whatever I had to for them because I trust them and I know they got my back.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. There yep. are certain leaders that have, you know, that have so much charisma and strength of character that you would, you would follow them to the ends of the earth. Absolutely. And for, you know, for example, I remember, and I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to say roles. I remember shortly after Palm was acquired by HP. There was a big um, powwow between HP's leaders and uh, marketing leaders and the, the Palm marketing leaders to figure out, you know, what was going to what was going to happen to the palm.com, the overall Palm website presence and, you know, what what the path forward is. And HP at the time, they didn't have a fully flushed idea. So they were just kind of like they were just trying to basically like push their weight around. and. The IT director, who was, who basically uh, where the web fell under, was at the time he was just pretty much a yes man, complying. I was really disappointed in his stance that he took at that meeting, but then I was amazingly impressed by the stance that another director from the support group, you know, he had the the courage to stand up and say, guys this is complete bullshit what you guys are proposing. (laughs) And like from that moment, I was like, that's the kind of guy I want to work for. Who's not afraid to ruffle the feathers, who can see through the politics and the BS and stand up for what's right as opposed to just being another yes man. You know, the world's full of yes men. You know, we need people. We need leaders. Yeah, Yeah, with integrity. With integrity. I
2: mean, that's a word that floats through my head a lot i've i've been very fortunate to work for some people with super high integrity and integrity is is do are you the one that stands up or sits down in that meeting integrity is when there's cutbacks and they're trying to get you to let some of your people go but you realize that these people don't deserve it that these people contribute and you fight for them integrity is when it's raised time and you got to go fight for your people and integrity is holding people up who are actually doing the work and not taking credit for it and being emotionally mature enough to realize that that it still reflects back on you it's still self-interest to do that
0: yeah absolutely before we go and this is awesome Uh, And we might have to do a part two of this eventually. But I want to get back to the the networking hustler, you know, theme, just because I think it's super important, especially as digital. I mean, all we have is digital. We can't go to happy hour and have, you know, Mm -hmm. wine or tequila or whatever it is I might drink with you guys. What advice would you give, you know, the younger generation coming in or even newer generation into an area? Like for me, for instance, it's don't be afraid to just, ask, do you have 10 minutes, you know, to be afraid and uh, don't be afraid to get curious about the company. And also don't be afraid to go with your gut feeling. If you are in an interview and you don't get, and it doesn't mesh, maybe it's not the company for you. That's okay too. You, you save people a lot of time <laughs> and yourself and yourself. Anyways, I wanted to hear what advice you would give to those networking hustlers out there because guys, networking is everything. Brett and Mark just talked about, you know, we had 20 plus years of being friends. I mean, we are not only network, but we're friends and that all of my network connections that mean something are my friends. Honestly, I
2: I, I think that is the ultimate aspiration. Like, I have met so many talented people over the years who have brilliant minds who I don't like, and I just let those people go. I'll never be mean. I'll never talk smack about them or anything like that, but I don't need you in my life. That's cool. I mean, you're out there, but I'm not going to try to actively network with you, whereas if you find yourself in the trenches with good people who bring you something, that's a bonus. You know, it's one thing to be friends. It's another thing when your friends can teach you things. And that's kind of the difference between pure friendships and networking friendships. When you have somebody who teaches you something, just hold on to them. And I would say, don't be the fair weather friend that only pops up when you need something. Everyone can smell that. Everyone hates that. Like if these people are your friends, make time for them. Even if it's just to, you know, poke them on social media every once in a while. Shoot them a quick email. Shoot them a text, or or whatever. Let them know that you give a shit that they woke up in the morning because you do think of them as more than somebody to pump for a job or information or a connection. For people who are starting out, I make time for people who are coming out of college, in particular. It, it's always like you know somebody I used to work with. Their daughter's coming out of college, and they want to have a conversation. I.
0: That's our era.
2: Yes. Yeah. And and for me, part of my networking now that I hired teams is I try to keep my pipeline building of potential talent. So if anybody has the boldness to reach out to me, I'll give you 20 minutes face to face over coffee, or I'll give you 45 minutes on Zoom or whatever. And I have those conversations. And I'd say a couple of times a year I find I find somebody, I'm like, this person has superpowers. And I just make up my mind that I am going to help that person find a job because I might want to hire them later and I per- am perfectly cool sending them to people like you and Mark to train up so that I can steal them later.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't mind taking them because if they came from you then I trust.
2: Right. you trust and by the way, I'm doing you a favor. I literally did this actually this is a good kind of case case in point. A guy who used to work for me he was a program manager type. He's living out in New York now. And then uh, another guy who I've worked with previously, who's a friend, we're now doing work for the same organization that I won't name. He was looking to hire a PM. He reached out to me two weeks ago on a random Tuesday, and he's like, I need a PM. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy in New York, he worked for me. He was one of my rock stars. He just is getting laid off by previous employer, JP Morgan Chase. Don't ever work in finance, kids. That's another lesson, but different one. Uh, Anyways, I connected them. You're not and, mad. <laughs> and this guy accepted it, the job offer yesterday. And the, I mean, think about that's a win win win, literally. Like a, somebody who's being laid off got a job super fast. Somebody who's looking for a rock star talent got it. And it all halos back onto me as the connector. And that's what we all should be aspiring towards is helping each other.
0: We are connectors. And I think that's the beauty of just being open to this. You, you're, you're connecting people to opportunities. You're connecting people to, to other like people. Like it, this whole connector idea, I love. I love this whole connector idea. I mean, and you
2: know what? I think it's important to say, anybody who's outside of the San Francisco Bay area, because I've done a lot of work in New York, a lot of work in Los Angeles. One of the things that makes Silicon Valley Silicon Valley is the connectors are not transactional. You, I do not connect people with other people because I'm expecting some sort of tangible benefit. I've had people in LA introduce me to celebrities where I was trying to do product placement. And then they're later on, they're like, so what was that? Worth like five grand to you? You're going to, what are you going to pay me? Whereas up here, everyone just connects everybody to everybody. Like, oh, good person, a good person. You need to know each other. And we just let karma in the universe take care of the payback. And it does.
0: And it does. I mean, Mark, I connected you to an organization of young kids, right? You became, you were um, a speaker there, young kids that needed kind of that unconventional role model and you were that. So there it goes, right? I mean, somebody might've seen themselves in in Mark and I agree. We can't expect anything in return. We cannot.
2: I mean, some hustlers feel like there has to be a price tag on everything but I don't see that as the quality hustling because that guy who asked me for 5,000 bucks because he made an intro to a, you know, a second tier star Trek cast member. Like I've never done anything with that guy again.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean the universe, the universe remembers. I've learned that both the hard way and, 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 and the good way I've approached you know my relationships with you know what can I do to help you as opposed to like what can you do to help me
0: I love that
1: and and that's how I approach my management style. There was this uh years ago I saw this this i don't know it might have been a meme that said and, and 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 I'm not here to I'm not here like to 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 bang on managers because you know there are plenty of good managers but the the, the we are managers now no right yeah 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 the the gist of it is a manager will always remind you how important he is whereas a leader will remind you how important you are you
2: are that's beautiful
1: and (laughs) that stuck with me and you know as someone who leads you know leaves folks i consider myself more of of like us and this is going to sound weird but like in a way like i'm a servant because I'm here to help them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Every time I inherit a team, I either take them one on one or I take them as a group and I say, look, here's the deal. Yep. I manage the team now, but my job is to give you information, give you perspective on what the business needs, tell you what success looks like, give you resources, help you advance your career, not necessarily in that order. And, and still, anytime there's. And
1: shield there's, them. And shield
2: yeah, them. And, and shield them. Oh oh my God. Yes. Shield them from the worst. And by the way, your problems are my problems. So feel free to bring them to me. Exactly. Hey,
0: everybody who's listening, this is stuff you're not going to get in schools. It wasn't at my school. You know, I went to University of Phoenix. Like, you know, they weren't teaching anything. You just want my money. No, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) the bottom line is this is real, real work stuff. This is what we all have to deal with every day. So align yourself with good people. Don't grow bridges. You know, connect, connect, connect. Genuinely connect without genuinely connect. Like seriously. I get, and I, I need to wrap this up, but I get inboxes all the time and they sound too like you just cut and paste and it came out of a book. But yeah. I'm not even going to look at it. I'm sorry. I just won't. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a whole category of networker out there that I call the leg humper. And they are just the ones who come up to you and they're like, hey, buddy, you got a card? You got a card? Hey, what's up? What's going on? What are you doing? And it's just like, oh God. Oh, that's the antithesis that's the of networker. what you want. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I know a couple guys. And we
0: started saying, you know, this could have gone HR wrong, but (laughs) hey, you guys both behaved. This was, again, my first double podcast with two amazing people and two amazing friends. And thank you guys. I love you guys so much. Like, seriously, and anything you need or your kids need, let me know. Likewise. And
2: and I owe both of you tacos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that how we roll <laughs> mr top five in the whatever <laughs> top, top of, this is payment for us <laughs> all Thanks right to me all right thank you so much and hey we'll talk soon okay
1: love you guys right, thank guys. You.
0: Love you bye bye this is moments with Martha peace of love everyone adios Peace.